Hey there, welcome to Bandit's Keep. I'm Daniel. In this episode, we're going to continue OSR October. It is day eight. I'm going to talk about a really fun supplement for the OSR. I was also going to do a bunch of call-ins, and I spent the last, I don't know, hour and a half putting together an episode with a whole bunch of call-ins. It's a little over an hour long, and Anchor has decided to stop working on the web. I don't want to mess with it too much because I don't want to lose all my work, so I've decided to just pull this segment that we're about to listen to, give it to you today, which is Saturday. I don't know if I'll be able to do the call-ins on Sunday, but I'll try to get them out early next week. If you have not called before and you want to call in now and get it in before the call-in show, go for it. Otherwise, I think I'll probably start inserting call-ins in every episode because, yeah, maybe the episode was too long for Anchor to handle. I'm not sure. I guess I need to ask Jason because Jason has so many call-ins. Uh, I'm curious how he handles it because my anchor is just like, no. In any case, you don't want to hear me talk about that. If you're new here, uh, you can join my Discord down in the show notes. You'll see a link there. Go ahead and join over there. And let's talk about Petty Gods. So I've got this book here. This is called Petty Gods. I have it in paperback as well as PDF. I picked it up, I don't know, five, six years ago. In my searching around, it does only seem to be available as a hardcover from Lulu. I mean, if you look around, you'll see there's lots of blog posts talking about that they were giving it away for free at DriveThruRPG and RPG Now, but no longer seems to be on those sites. So I do not know why. I'm not sure if there is a legal way to pick up the PDF, though they seem to be floating around the internet everywhere. So you can get it as a hardcover book, or possibly if you do find the source for the kind of the most legal source for the free PDF, let me know and I'll amend it to this. But it's pretty cool. It's, it's a collection, I guess, based off originally a Judges Guild uh, product idea, which was called something like Unknown Gods. And they've got, it looks like, uh, I don't know, I'm not going to count them, but something like 50 contributors uh, as far as writers, at least that many as illustrators and a whole bunch of editors. So basically a whole bunch of people got together and worked on this thing. And that's awesome. That to me is, again, like spirit of the of the OSR. You've got a few prefaces and uh, or prefaces and uh, acknowledgments. You've got what is a god, notes for playing the gods, kind of their powers, their reactions. And then you've got, you know, something like almost 200 pages of the gods themselves. So I'm just going to kind of pop in here. They're all alphabetical. I'm just going to kind of go in here. Let's take one from the e, the A. Aspix. A-S-P-I-X. Petty God of the Butcher's Alley. Titles. Aspix. The Forsaken. This is by Benjamin Ball. We've got a illustration by Glenn Halstrom. It's kind of a fun, uh, like kind of corner of the eye of a guy. Pretty cool. This god, all these are really powerful, obviously. I mean, they're petty gods, but they're still pretty powerful, right? Uh, okay. So long ago, Aspix was the god of the city. Many were the virgins who died on his altars. In the endless was a stream of precious metals and stones consigned to his furnaces with great pomp. But Aspex was weak and pampered, and eventually his city fell, and his worshippers were slain. A new city rose in the spot that cursed his name, and he was left to rage in the darkness, with only the meager susness of fear and hatred from the conquering people. Over time, the city of his conquerors was destroyed and rebuilt in its turn, and Aspex was forgotten entirely. This goes on for like three paragraphs, but you get an idea of what the background of the god is. Actually, I'm looking at this because he's actually not that powerful. Uh, he's only uh, armor class three. He's only got four hit dice or six hit dice. So this is actually a fairly weak god. So when you talk about petty, god, petty gods, there you go. Um, all right. So we've got, let's cruise down. I'm just going to scroll through until I find a picture I like. Oh, this one's cool. Bez, Bezd. B 
P-E-H-Z-D, Petty Gods of Lost Items. It's kind of a sphinxy looking, it almost has an alligator body with a uh, lion's head. Let's see, they've got a symbol, a set of mismatched keys held by a piece of string. Neutral God, uh, 90 hit points or 20 hit dice, so pretty powerful. Bezd used to be quite a powerful god. Currently, his life force is imprisoned in the remains of his main statue in the swampy ruins of Kahumath. The great jade statue used to portray him as a crowned and lion-headed crocodile. Many of the pieces of the statue were taken away by raiders of the goddess Horde, and Bezd barely managed to survive. Oh, so this is cool. So actually, this right here is an adventure, right? You could find this statue half uh, taken apart and maybe bring this god back into play. That's pretty neat. All right, let's move forward. Let's go down to, let's jump to the end. Let's go to the Z gods, right? Nobody ever uses the back of the book. Zekel, Petty God of Needless Pain by Matt Jackson. Uh, Eugene Jaworski did the uh, art for it, which is very cool. It's like this bloated guy pulling chains off of his body. Zekel appears as a humanoid of roughly human height, a vomitous mass of bloody and rotten flesh from former victims held together through some bizarre and dark magic. As the victim's flesh is ever-changing, so is her appearance, though she is always roughly the height and mass of a fat, bulbous human. Large and bloody chains remain hooked through her flesh. They dangle and dance with every move. Aha, so Ezekiel is a female goddess. I think I may have said him, so... Yeah, pretty gross. And uh, naked, gross, rotting flesh and chains. That's a pretty fun god. Uh, looking at 10 hit die. So again, these gods are actually gods you could interact with and probably fight. But remember, they're still gods. They've Even if they've only got 10 hit die, they can still do all the godly stuff, like gate people in and out and command people and stuff like that. So again, they're still gods. All right, so past the gods, we have Minions, Knights, and Servitors. Oh, this is a fun image by Beatrice Evely. It's like this... Uh, Looks like kind of like a three-headed hag standing next to a man with no head, but a cyclops eye in the center of his chest. And then behind him is a really tall, uh, kind of gangly uh, man with a beard and kind of an ugly face. And uh, yeah, they're just kind of hanging out there. <laughs> All right, so we've got uh, kind of common uh, terminology used here, like protector, enforcer, nurturer, or caregiver. And then we've got some of them, so let's see. Abomination of Skull serves Skull by Charles Turnacy. This is basically an octopus stuck on a set of man's legs, and each of the octopuses, octopies, octopuses, octopuses as in owned by the octopus, not octopuses as in multiple octopus uh, hands has a weapon. So it's kind of fun. You don't want to run into that thing, right? Very large menacing octopus creature, which is orange in color. Underneath the head bag is an armless humanoid body that allows the creature to walk on dry land. It elevates the head and body high enough that all eight tentacles can attack in any direction. That's pretty fun. All right, let's. that's in the A section. Let's jump to T. Oh, this is kind of a fun one. Tetsuzi. Tetsuzi serves the former cleric of Kirtle. All right, this is kind of like almost like a haggy looking... Uh, it almost looks like a, if an elf became a hag, like real skinny and bony-faced... Uh, with a cane. All right, here we go. Once the high priestess of the Order of Almakin, which is dedicated to the worship of Kirtle, the petty goddess of blind milkmaids, Tetsusu, Tetsuzi, I'm going to call it Tetsusi, met her mortal demise at the hands of the mad wizard 
I cannot even begin to pronounce that during the flame wars of, during the flame wars of Jabrini. <laughs> Called the demoralizer for the way I feel like sometimes when people write books like this, they just don't want you to be able to pronounce anything, <laughs> or at least not me. So anyways, again, once again, a whole uh, history of this person. I'm not going to read through all these. I feel like you should just pick up the book, but I will kind of cruise down and check out the cults and cultists. Fun. There's like a picture of a guy looking a frog. Talks about the promises of a cult, cult practices, and we've got various cults listed here. Cult of Eternal Culthood <laughs> from by Richard Blank. The Cult of Eternal Culthood considers itself an anti-cult in that they do not dedicate themselves to a single god, nor do they profess a common creed. Instead, they welcome all types of worshippers, regardless of their beliefs. <laughs> They're a cult for occultists. Fun. All right. Let's see. Down to divine items. Oh, this is fun. So we've got some magic items going on here, it looks like, I'm guessing. Okay, these look like they're... Uh, some of them are like... Okay, here we go. Bowl of Eyes by David Enon. These rare magic items resemble St. Vienna's own bowl, a bronze bowl with a pair of eyes carved in the inside, except that the eyes carved in the inside are closed. If the holy water is placed in the bowl, the eyes open and the water is transformed into one of the following potions determined by a D6. Oh, that's fun. Basically, cure potions. The effect only works once per day. Okay. Oh, interesting. If a blessed spell is cast on it while the holy water is in there, then you can use it as a... Uh, Basically a crystal ball. That's fun. I do like some fun magic items. There's a lot of magic items here, actually. Okay, here we go. Spells. Spells are always tricky to me because I feel like when people start adding spells to D&D, they sometimes go off the rails. But let's just pick a couple spells. So I'll pick the first one. Ale Goggles by Ian Cookley. It's a fourth level magic user spell. For the duration of the spell, the caster appears to be an incredibly attractive member of their race. Anyone who is drunk has had at least twice their constitution bonus and drinks, minimum of two, would usually be attracted to someone of their race, gender, will treat the character as though they had a score of 18 in charisma. Should. They should. Should they begin to sober up, they may make a save versus spells. Okay, <laughs> they're playing off bear goggles. So it's funny, a lot of this stuff is kind of tongue-in-cheek, but it's very usable on some level. Feast. Oh, by Michael Curtis. I wonder if that's the same Michael Curtis that does stuff in DCC. Let's see. This spell creates a nutritious and tasty meal of meat, cheese, water, and wine that feeds a number of adults equal to 2d6 times the caster's level. Silverware, tables, chairs, plates, and containers are not created by this spell. All right, so it just throws food on the ground, which is kind of fun. All right, let's see. Let's go to our supplemental materials, which would be the, I guess, we're looking at the appendices. I would definitely want to see Gods of Barsoom. Let's see. Magical Barsoom. Religious Revival. Priests of a specific origin. Barsoom Pantheon. So this is by Michael Curtis. Artist by James Allen St. John. Oh, interesting. Okay, so we, got, we have a pre-spell progression. We've got a pre-spell list that is different than, uh, I'm assuming, regular cleric spells, right? Bless, command, uh, complete focus, which is a new spell. Cure light wounds, detect undead, endure elementals, hold portal, light, mending, remove fear, shield of faith, sulk. Oh, that's interesting. All right, then we got Legends and Lore of the Jail God. I feel like the Jail God sounds familiar to me. If somebody knows what that is, let me know. Give me a call in. We've got Feast Days. 
Let's see. Or maybe it's just something from this. I, I could just be invocations and folk beliefs. So there's a lot of stuff in here. I mean, yeah, you can really get lost in this. Just pick this 300 page book up and just start hacking away at it. I pulled a few gods out of it just to uh, to use in various campaigns. And it's been fun because I don't usually use the gods themselves, but people who worship them. And then, of course, they'll, you know, it's their religion, right? So to them, it's like, oh, yeah, well, of course, you know, the god of corn cobs or whatever is a, you know, a major god. And most other people have no idea who that god is. So I like to use it for that reason, because I feel like regional gods just really make for a fun world, especially the points of light kind of worlds that I like to use. So if you are interested in this, like I said, you can definitely get a hardback. I'll put a link to that, the Lulu uh, hardback in the show notes here. And with a little Googling, you can find a PDF. I just am not sure about the legality of it. So I don't really want to promote that you should do that. But in any case, it's a really fine and good example of the OSR in my mind, because much like some of the other stuff I've been talking about, I think I've been talking about, like Knock Magazine, I guess would be the closest thing. This is a collaboration. And I feel like to me, that is one of the strengths or one of the beginnings of the OSR were people reaching out to each other and connecting in ways that maybe they hadn't really been able to before. I think I talked about this in day one. So you've got the web now, and now you've got these collaborators from all over the country, probably possibly all over the world. And they're all written up one or two little funky gods and we can stick them all together and share them with the world, which I think is just a great thing. So this is a, a highlight of the OSR for me. If you ever use this book in any way, let me know. Like I said, if you do know the link to the actual legal PDF, please let me know so I can put that in there officially. I'm not sure if I mentioned it during this first chunk because, again, I spent a whole bunch of time trying to do call-ins and then just went back and I wanted to just release something. So I'm just releasing this chunk. So if I did not say it before, uh, I appreciate everybody listening. If you haven't already, go ahead and join my Discord server. There'll be a link in the show notes. You could also join my Patreon there if you'd like. If you join the Discord server, you can send me messages via Discord. Just record a voice message and send it to me as a direct message. If you want to use the link that is in the notes here that Anchor automatically sticks in, it should bring you to a website. You should be able to leave me a message that way still as well. And hopefully we'll get the all the uh, call-ins in an episode coming up soon. Otherwise, that's all I got to say. I don't have a good uh, ending yet or or leaving thing, see, as I'm going here. So uh, I'll just say goodbye for now.